There is an element of me having fingers in a few pies and people that have known me for a while have always questioned how, how are you actually managing all of this because it's not like you're focusing on one business and are you able to give 100% to a business? And the reality is probably not. You know, I probably at this stage can't say that I give the pretty pass 100%, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to work. I can probably give it 50% and then somebody else needs to give it 50%. So that means hiring a team, right? Hello, lovely people, and welcome to the next episode of Girl Boss, a podcast hosted by myself, Nikki Mahone, founder and designer of online jewelry and homeware brand Nikita. I hope you're having a positive start to the month, and if you're enjoying these episodes so far, please do take a moment to leave us a review and share with family and friends. It'll be so great to hear your feedback and have even more listeners on board. So today I'm chatting with entrepreneur and founder Anita, who's combined her passion for acts of kindness and helping others in launching her two businesses, The Pretty Parcel and Mindful Movements UK. The Pretty Parcel is an online brand creating bespoke extraordinary tokens of love that last a lifetime. Mindful Movements is a business consultancy brand offering mentoring to help small business startups reach new limits. And I learned on this podcast, she does this alongside a full-time job. She has so much experience and mentoring advice for you guys. So without further ado, here is the podcast. Hi Anita, thank you so much for joining the Girl Boss podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on, Nikki. Oh, I'm excited. We ended up rearranging this, didn't we, from before? So it's nice to like finally have this scheduled in. So I really wanted to talk to you as I have seen and followed your business for such a long time now. And um, I wanted to ask you about the beginning of the Pretty Parcel. What were you doing before this and how did you make this transition into starting your business? Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually was a wedding planner and coordinator. Um, so this was sort of way back in the day. Um, and I started to just notice that I absolutely loved event planning. I loved starting up something from from the ground up. And at that time, I think I was massively naive, Nikki, like just about the whole business side of things. And then I happened to have a supplier that actually contacted me about laser wedding cards and, and asked if I was basically available to have a chat with her. And I, I'm somebody who kind of I go by my gut. So if I feel like I've got somebody out there that wants to meet me for whatever reason, I go I go with my gut because you never know what doors are going to open. So I met up with her. Her name's Jackie. Um, and we met up in a little Starbucks in Leicester. And she brought along these laser wedding invites. And I saw them and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't aligned with it at all. I kind of looked and went, oh, this is a bit cliche. Um, but then she pulled out some some boxes um, and they were wooden, wooden boxes with a bit of engraving on. I just had a bit of a thought and I said, look, I'm currently looking for me to have a bangle box because I was engaged at the time and I'm looking for me to have a bangle box to kind of store the the ceremonial bangles that I have. And she wasn't of the same culture, so she didn't really understand why you would have a box for something like that. But after a bit of discussion about it, we just started talking about, could we amend the box? Could we adjust it a little bit? Could we potentially engrave it with some personalization? You know, is there some fabric we could put inside? And lo and behold, that's literally how the Pretty Parcel started was a prototype of my own bridal jewelry box. Oh, wow. I know. And I feel, I feel like if I didn't go for that coffee, if I didn't go for that first move, I don't think the Pretty Parcel would exist. So it was literally inspired from an item that you were just looking for for yourself throughout your wedding. Yeah, definitely. And I've always kind of felt the giving factor of gift giving just massively important to me because gifting is not an essential. Um, it's something that you would just do because it's a kind gesture. But there was an element of, I didn't even think at that time, I was so naive about business. I didn't even think of the time that the jewelry box would be a gift. At that moment, I was just purely looking for a bangle box for myself. We had a conversation about it. Um, and before you know it, the prototype was built. And I started to then promote it through the wedding hub. I think I took a picture of it. And back then, <laughs> Nikki, 
Instagram was so easy to use. So it was a case of just putting up a picture um, on Instagram and through the Wedding Hub, which was my wedding planning company. And people really just showcased a lot of interest and were saying, we've never seen something like this done before. Is this something that you could do for me? And at that time, we didn't really have a lot of customization opportunities. The the lining color was very much just navy set standard. And then over time, we started to realize that actually we can adapt this a little bit to have a real full customization journey for, for the customer. So we started to kind of work on that a little bit. And that's when we started to develop and move away from not having just a Mandela logo. We had a lady logo and we started to play around a little bit with what kind of fonts we wanted. And we expanded our our lining range. Um, And then before you know it, it felt like it needed a separate identity. Just the Wedding Hub was purely there as a service-based business, not to sell products. And it just wasn't clear for me. And it wasn't aligned that it was supposed to be together. So I started having to think about doing it as a separate a separate brand altogether. And it took a while for me just to kind of pluck up that, I think, courage just to make that move because I was very much set in stone in just doing the wedding planning. And that's where the Pretty Parcel kind of came about. And, and ever since then, we've just been expanding the range. Um, and, and we do really offer timeless gifts. That's the biggest factor for me is not to produce items that people are just going to have and then chuck away. Because unfortunately, with gift giving, it sometimes can end up in that way because somebody feels obliged to give a gift or somebody gift something that somebody doesn't want. So it was massively important for me to build a range that that allows people to continuously keep using that gift for for whatever reason. And that's essentially how the Pretty Parcel started. Amazing. So you were doing events and wedding planning and then you were looking for something for yourself and then you thought, actually, this is really amazing. If I customise this, I can offer this to my brides and see. If, is that right? Okay, amazing. So you offer bespoke items for your customers. Like, How do you go about making more personalized items? Because I would say I've definitely done a lot of that myself. And I know it's uh, a lot harder than um, selling something that is already made and ready to go. So how have you found that? It's definitely a challenge. Um, I guess sort of getting items in, designing them and making them non-customizable, you can get things in wholesale and it definitely makes the process a lot easier. I think with the personalization that we offer, I've got a very, very good relationship with my manufacturer. Um, We get together um, every sort of often. So twice a year, we will get together, we'll have catch-ups and it's a very sort of, even though we've got a working relationship, it's still informal to the sense of we get together and bit brainstorm about those products. So there's that extra flexibility. So if I tend to um, have an idea in my mind and I say, okay, can we produce this? But it has to have the factor of customization. She will be very honest with me and say, actually, it's not going to be effective enough. Or how about we try this? So it's a very joint relationship. So that's from a a product perspective. From a customer perspective, the personalization, we, we have to not provide limits as such, because ultimately we are a brand that wants to give you flexibility on on that. But there is an, an element of having a few barriers put into place because everybody will then start to want their own customization added to it. And there's only so much that we actually can do and keep it at the price point that it's at. But we've had customers in the past that actually are very much willing to add that extra personalization on top, but pay for the extra fee. So, you know, the Pretty Parcel website's got the full range on there. And, you know, if, if you have a look at that website, you'll be able to see that we've got customized drop-down fields that gives you a lot of options from the kind of wording that you want on there. We don't just formulate and say that this is the entire wording. And we do have maximum characters that you have on there. Um, and that's purely just to make sure that the aesthetics look great. And what I'm absolutely amazed by is the fact that customers truly trust in the brand and truly trust in us creating the best designs. So if they come up with something that we think actually might not look great, we ensure that that's 
something that we're not going to implement because we don't want to produce a product that's not going to look good. So there is a, there is a bit of a journey that we go through, but anybody that goes through the customized route will always have a proof of artwork. And we found that a massive, massive beneficial part of the customer journey, because for me, it's not just about getting orders through the website and then shipping them off to the customer. It was very much about getting the order through the website, assessing what that design looks like, making sure that they've looked at that design um, and they can do that all through the website. They can approve or reject it. And then we go through that customer flow so that they get the product that they actually want. So it was difficult at the beginning just to kind of understand how many variations we want because, you know, you can you can go crazy with this stuff because somebody might say they want this particular logo or this particular font. So there's been some sort of um, limitations in, in the kind of personalization that they have, but that's all with the view that we just want to make sure we stick with the price point. But we do get customers coming in for for adjustments and it's and it's something that we offer um it's something that we're very flexible about and and customers will either understand that there's an extra price point to it or they just simply won't go ahead yeah absolutely i feel like that's a benefit of shopping with smaller businesses or more customized products because you get that level of service you just would never get elsewhere but i can imagine it definitely comes with its set of challenges um and obviously it takes you a lot longer to produce do you feel like there's room for growth in terms of volume when you are making personalized items? Because I feel like my experience is kind of either one or the other. You either charge more, produce more personalized items, have that relationship with the customer, it takes longer, or you go along the route of you design it, get it made, and then you try and go for volume. What do you kind of think, or do you think there's a middle ground? I think there there was a middle ground and this was before COVID. So I've been running Pretty Parcels since 2017. I stopped the wedding stuff and transitioned into the Pretty Parcel. And when I started to create the personalized products at that time, it felt like a really good idea. And it was like, this is great. You know, customers are going to be able to customize their products. Um, and then I soon started to realize that this is good for now, but somewhere down the line, I am going to have to bring in some sort of a generic range to where you can have a lot of more volume. Just before COVID, you know, we were really hitting a peak with our sales. And um, I think, I guess people were getting really into the flow of understanding the brand a little bit more. The brand awareness was quite strong. And then lo and behold, COVID happened. And that massively changed the way that we did things on the back end. And I think that really kind of made me just take a step back um, approach and say, actually, customization, yes, okay, it was a pandemic and it's it's a really rare occasion, but actually it really taught me a lot because it just goes to show that when something like that happens, the customized products aren't going to work because there was a lot of uncertainty around dates. So I started to sit back a bit and go, gosh, I'm really, really noticing that, yes, okay, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was naturally going to be a decline in sales. That was that was very normal. But then over time, the impact of COVID has, has had an impact on the business. So it's really kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And I do think there is a bit of a middle ground that we can still be a customizable brand, but there is going to be an element that we are going to be bringing in a generic range as well. So we're currently working on some greeting card designs, and there's a few of the things that are in the pipeline that I don't want to quite mention yet, but there are a few things in the pipeline. So we we are looking to kind of bring that generic side as well, because again, not everybody wants customization. So we're trying to find now that middle ground, but it is, it is, it's difficult. And I, I was very naive, I think, at the very beginning and just decided customization is the way forward. But that COVID pandemic definitely taught me a lot. If you go in with the customizable things first, you learn a hell of a lot in one go. You're kind of diving into the deep end almost. So you've done it that way around, which is really interesting. Um, but then I see what you're saying. You want to be able to offer uh, more generic ranges, things that are already ready to go and be shipped out. So then you have that variety. Say if somebody wants to order something and get it next day delivery, at least they have that option as well. But if we talk about COVID a little bit, because when you mentioned about your products being gifts, I know exactly what that's like. I feel like a lot of my range makes for amazing gifts. Um, however, during the pandemic, 
obviously these things weren't a necessity. They were something you want rather than you need. And I wanted to know how you found that. Did you feel like there was a shift despite the fact more people were shopping online where they are for gifts? Yeah, there was definitely a huge shift, a a massive, and I can't even express how much of a shift that we noticed because March 2020 was obviously when COVID happened. And then immediately, I think after sort of four weeks when when it started to settle that this is here to stay for a while and there was a lot of uncertainty, I had an influx of messages from brides basically who had already purchased um, a a bridal box or a jewelry box for their coming summer wedding. And a um, a lot of people there were very uncertain about whether their wedding was going to go ahead. You know, there was, there was just a lot that was unknown. So there was already a shift in the business in the sense of I had to rectify what I would do for those brides because I didn't want to just leave them in the lurch. I didn't want them just to be like, okay, here's a box that you've had. Sorry, it's just the engraving and it's a pandemic and we can't help you. We're a very, very kind of customer driven brand. So it was all about trying to find an alternative solution that would still provide them with the box that they need, but coming up with something very innovative, very quick to be able to kind of overcome that particular issue that we had. The other shift was just gifting wasn't an essential. On top of that, most of our gifting range at the minute is the wedding range. And with the wedding range, with the weddings not going ahead, you essentially had this massive shift in sales. So it's it's it has been really tough. You know, I'm going to be very, I'm a very transparent person for, for those people that already know me. It is, a, it's been really, really difficult. Um, You know, the COVID pandemic hasn't we haven't really seen things go back to normal as yet. They are starting to pick up, which has been amazing. Um, sort of last year, we started to see things slowly, gradually pick up again. But it's definitely not gone to pre-pandemic. And we are still having the aftermath of that. So there's been a few shifts, I think, when it comes to the effects of that pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I can completely relate. I feel like we constantly have to adapt and adjust and try new things uh, every year just to um, move with times and everything. So with regards to being involved in wedding gifts and the wedding industry, so with your products being tailored towards brides and bridesmaids, or many of them anyway, how do you find entering such an industry? Because I know you used to do pop-ups and events in the past. Is it something you find quite challenging or is it an industry that you feel like there's a huge market there? As an industry, I think the wedding industry has saturated, um, but it depends on what supplier you are. Now, I had the benefit of being a wedding planner and coordinator to understand how a bride really feels when they're when they're entering that journey. So I applied that whole feeling of not just being an engaged bride myself, but understanding the brides through the wedding hub and focused a lot on what the pretty part of the value that it has to offer, but also thinking about that customer and how they should feel. So it is a saturated market in the terms of just the wedding industry as a whole. Um, and that's just my personal opinion. But I think if you're there to offer something and you're, or you're thinking about entering the wedding space or you're already in the wedding space and you're feeling like there is a bit of a kind of drawback on, on people entering your brand in the way that you hoped, it's all about thinking about that extra value that you can add. Um, it is difficult. It's not, it's not easy. And I guess for those people that have built their brands in the same industry a few years ago, they've already built their business. So they've already built that brand name and people trust it a lot more. Whereas if you're a new business entering that, that space, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. But I think with the pretty parcel side of things, I'm still yet to um, find somebody online and find another business that does the same thing. So one of the things that we recognized um, about a good couple of years into it was that we are the only company in the world that offers an engraved bridal and jeweler box. It's not done out there. 
at all. And that that was a really strong standpoint for me because it really kind of has given me leverage in the wedding industry. So when we do the pop-up shops, when we when we do um, wedding exhibitions and we meet customers face-to-face, not only do we see people recognizing the brand just as a whole because they've been following the journey, we actually see people who have just never seen this before. So it's a whole completely new concept. So getting in front of customers is massive import, massively important to me because I recognize that they, they come and they're like, we've not seen this. Like in wedding exhibitions, you've got a lot of caterers, DJs, wedding decor companies, cake companies, but then they come across this this tiny little gift brand and they come and they're like, this is something totally new. So I think if you're going to be like entering the space, it's coming up with something completely unique. Or if you're going to be doing something that's already been done before, it's adding that extra flavor that you can for you to really, really stand out from the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. And whereabouts are you selling at the moment? Are you listed and online platforms? If so, which ones and how are you finding that? So this is probably going to surprise you. I'm not sure, Nikki, but um, I actually ran the Pretty Parcel without having a website. Um, This was when I first started. I was doing everything very manual. Yeah, that does surprise me, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Everything was Excel spreadsheets. Everything was very manual. And the sales that I was getting through was purely through Instagram. And I guess at the beginning, I didn't really have an idea that this was going to be something that I would be integrated in every single day. I was that typical kind of person who had started a brand whilst working full time and just thought I would see how it how it goes. So I fit that stereotypical kind of view of that individual. But over time, I started to recognize that there's only so much that I can do on Instagram. And Instagram isn't your website. It's a marketing channel. So I quickly had to think about, okay, do I really want to invest into a website? And if I do, what does that mean for me? So I I did. I, I decided to take it a bit more seriously. Um, and then I launched the website and it was the best thing ever. And I've noticed that it's a massive difference in having that full customer experience through a website. So at the minute we are selling through the website and I think it's fantastic to be able to just, just kind of, it's weird that I say this out loud because I feel like it's quite cliche, but there is a little bit of a happy moment when you see a customer order come through. Oh, a hundred percent. Like no matter how many years I'll be doing this, if an order comes through, and I just see it. And especially if I'm doing something really personal, if I'm just sitting around, if I'm asleep or if I'm on the sofa, it like it's the best feeling ever. You know what? That is so nice to hear from someone like yourself, because I've been watching your brand for, for a very long time. And I've always wondered that when somebody's scaling up their business, because yours has, you know, yours, I, I absolutely love the rebrand that you've just done. I think it's absolutely incredible. And and I've, I've always kind of wondered that does as you kind of get to that stage, do you still have that feeling? Do you still have that buzz inside of you? Do you know what? The only issue is, is sometimes I don't see all the orders. So I have my girl Maddie in charge of dispatch. So she handles all of the orders. They come in from all the different platforms into a software called Vico. And then we, that's like a kind of shipping software. And then we ship all of our labels in one go. So sometimes I'll go around my friend's house and I'll see my products on their like coffee table or something like that or in their um, jewelry collection and I'm like, I didn't know you ordered that from me. So then I feel really bad because I miss I miss the um, friends and family who are supporting me. But it does get to a point where the orders are coming from lots of different platforms and things like that. And I'm trying to push the brand and grow it upstairs. I kind of, I do have that disconnection now with the dispatch, which is something I did love. And it, I did, I don't know, always made me feel very um, in tune with what was going on, what customers like. So every now and again, I say to the girls, I'm going to come down and dispatch with you. So then oh, I can... Oh, I love that. Yeah, just like kind of, just get an idea as to what's going on. Because otherwise I could honestly be in my creative mode upstairs designing and just lose all 
connection with it. So it's something that I did for years, was desperate to get someone to help me so I didn't have to do it anymore. And then when I handed that over, I was like, oh, I miss it. So yeah, I definitely still feel that feeling. Yeah, to see orders coming through means a lot to me. I think the ones that mean the most to me are the ones that come through the website because they're the people that have seen what I'm personally putting out there and then bought from my brand directly, as opposed to someone who was already shopping on Amazon and just came across it and didn't reinvest in our brand and what we're about. So it does mean a lot more when I get a Shopify order. Um, and those are the ones that appear on my phone. So yeah, it will always feel good. <laughs> that is really nice to hear because, um, you know, I've always wondered for those people that have scaled up that do you still have that feeling? And and that's something that massively drives me to continue to do what I do, because when I see that, that few orders come through, because the customized products, you know, they're not they're not cheap products. So whenever somebody does make that investment into a pretty parcel item, I know that they've had to really think about it before they've purchased it. So when somebody has made that investment, I just get absolutely excited about it and, and it keeps me going. So the website's one of the platforms. So I've had a look at things like Etsy, Not on the High Street, um, and those sort of platforms, but they they weren't really for me, if I'm honest. And that, that's more so from a pretty parcel angle in terms of the products that we offer, because there's so much customization that's involved. That was, I, I don't think I would have got the support, I think, from Not on the High Street and Etsy to be able to, one, showcase a brand in, in, in the way that I would have hoped for, but also just the shop setup side of things as well is a little bit more complex just because of the range of customization that that we offer. So one of the the brands that I do sell on is Thisy City. So um, I'm not sure if you've heard of them before, Nikki, but they're relatively they're they're a new startup company. So Thisy City is essentially like an e-commerce platform that is your Thisy version of Etsy and on the high street and Amazon. So it's a um, a kind of targeted place that I know is going to be marketing for the kind of clientele that I need because obviously there's a certain culture that will go for the jewelry box. There's a certain culture that will go for the bridal box that sort of marketing would get very lost in Etsy and not on the high street. I, I kind of um, signed up to the CCT and it's a relatively startup company. So there was an element of providing that extra additional support in in that brand because I know what it feels like to start new. And it's just been great because I'm watching that platform grow, but I also work with the team as well through my, my other business, Mindful Movements. And I work with that brand as well. So it's, it's something that's just slowly growing in that space, but it was nice to know that there is another platform out there for me. Yeah, amazing. I think um, I would definitely recommend to look at Etsy again, because I feel like the personalization side of it, that you can have lots of different drop downs and things like that. And I ordered quite a lot of their, uh, especially throughout my wedding, and I was able to do quite a lot of customization. So I don't know if it's something that you would be interested in doing later on, or do you kind of, have you kind of ruled that out? Yeah, so we've we've already set up a shop there. We've just not seen anything. I think when we um so we set up a shop, I think it was about a good during the COVID time we had we had a lot of time on our hands like everybody else did. So I spent a lot of time on um kind of thinking about the next goals for the business. And Etsy was something that we we did set up, but we just haven't seen a lot of traction from there. And I guess because of the products that we offer, they are very unique and it's for a very targeted clientele. So it's been tricky because I just can't imagine somebody going on there and typing in bridal jewelry box because it's not a natural thing for people to search at the minute, which is, I guess, very different to, to for example, like the jewelry that, that you sell. It's quite common for people to go online and look for jewelry as a gift because it's it's an amazing gift to give, right? So a lot of people would naturally go on and put in gold necklace. 
female empowerment items and products. And I think that's quite a natural thing for people to to kind of automatically do. Whereas for people who have never known about the brand at all, they're not likely to go on and search for an engraved bridal box. And that's that's the issue that we currently face when it comes from like an SEO perspective and trying to trying to understand things that a little bit more. And business is all about challenges anyway. And I I'm I, I kind of thrive off stuff like that to try and figure out a solution to a problem. So so it's something that we're working on. But yeah, Etsy, we've not really seen that much of a traction at the minute. Okay, interesting. I think um so my experience with Etsy and Not on the High Street kind of changes each year. But like Not on the High Street now has lost its pizzazz. They did this rebrand and in all honesty it doesn't look good. And yeah. um, <laughs> I feel I feel like yeah, I don't know what they're doing with it on their marketing, but you know, it's not been working for us lately. As I'm still getting orders in, but I think something's shifted in the last like three years or so for them. But Etsy for us has climbed up. So out of nowhere, it feels as though, you know, so many US customers are buying our items and paying the shipping. And it's really kind of broadened our audience, which is really, really good. I think more people are shopping on there. But even yesterday, I was buying a lot of stuff in my house from Etsy because I just prefer doing that um, to some other platforms. So, Do you sell off any other platforms then other than... Uh, Etsy, not on the high street, and then Amazon in all countries, European and america and we're on lots of wholesale platforms as well so that is something well i don't know if it's something you could do if you're continuing with the personalized things but when you get your more generic range in if ever you need any help getting your wholesale bits out there that's there's so much potential in it and then um you know it's great because you obviously you offer a discounted rate but then you ship it all in one go you've got that business in and it's just yeah it's a nice way to sell as well something that often gets disregarded until you're of a certain size but really you can sell wholesale even when you are small um and you you don't need that much stock uh, to be able to do that some people buy things in box of five or ten but at least you're securing those orders in and shipping it out in one go so rather than shipping individually so it actually works out quite well and we are looking to expand on lots of other platforms as well. But those uh, few are definitely keeping us very busy. Like I said, like if an order, if an order comes through our website, that's the best case scenario because actually we don't pay the listing fees. We don't pay the all these additional things or commissions to these um, third-party websites. It just goes to us. So a website order is so valuable in comparison. That's why we put a lot of effort into socials and digital marketing and all that kind of thing to get people to the site. That's the main hub. That's where our brand is and that's what we constantly update and that's kind of the heart of the business. So I am briefly interrupting this podcast to let you know about our sponsor, which is my own brand, Nikita. I thought, why not sponsor my own podcast? Our listeners can enjoy 20% of all products using code GIRLBOSS. We are a brand dedicated to bringing you exclusively designed, empowering jewellery and home decor that would make an amazing gift for a loved one or treat for yourself. We have recently rebranded and made so many improvements to our packaging, our sustainability focus, our website design and user experience, our shipping time and customer service, as well as our jewellery materials to ensure they are waterproof and last forever. We also offer free empowering desktop and phone wallpapers, as well as carefully curated music playlists for your every mood to keep you motivated throughout your day. We offer free shipping, next day delivery, free returns, free gift packaging, and we have over 5,000 verified five-star reviews across our selling platforms. The website is nikitabynikki.com. And again, the code is girlboss for 20% off everything. I hope you're able to make use of the code. Do let me know what you purchase and happy shopping. And thank you so much in advance for your support. It genuinely means the world. Now, with that out of the way, here's the rest of the podcast. Do 
just thinking about digital marketing actually and just um and I've I've I absolutely admire the fact that you've had this full rebrand and um you know you can definitely see that your page is, is had that transition and I I've got a question for you actually Nikki so oh, um, for it. so so when it came to your rebrand I noticed that you you had another account open and there was a couple of accounts right based on on your kind of personal life and then obviously you had like your the brand side of things what made you go into that transition then and and decide to just lock off an account and just stick with what you've got I think I felt as if I was spreading myself very thin and I was constantly confused and feeling guilty about where to assign my energy. So I had this brand account, which had around like seven, eight K of like uh, people that really invested into the brand and everything. Then I had my personal account, which had the 90 K people following me, following me as a businesswoman, following the brand um, all together. And then I just had some other accounts, like a home account, stuff like that, which is completely separate to me anyway. But those two were a bit confusing because it was like, if I create content for the brand one, I found that content a little bit repetitive and a little bit boring. So I wanted to amalgamate the two pages. And by amalgamate, I mean literally deactivating the, the brand one because it had less of the followers. Because I knew that the followers that following that one are also following me. So, and the switch is something I just needed to do personally. I feel like I didn't want to keep sharing my personal life online anymore I've just got to a certain age where it's yeah. not fun and <laughs> yeah no. you know I don't need that dopamine hit that everyone is constantly searching for because I've had it and I've experienced it and I know it's overrated so it's kind of like I enjoyed sharing my wedding and stuff like that but I knew when I've done that that's my last hurrah and then I'm going to start turning everything to the brand because that's genuinely the most important thing to me and that's uh, me putting my best foot forward and my most professional foot forward and also if I want to be stocked in large retailers down the line I want them to see the brand as a you know large community that is consistent and branding is strong throughout so there's a lot of thought went into it and I was so nervous because I thought these people followed me for me if I start sharing the brand more will I lose followers and you know I have lost a few but I'm not as nowhere near as many as I thought so I feel like as soon as you know who you are, what you want to put out there and um, your brand message is strong, people can get on board with that more than if you're kind of um, doing a bit of everything. No, I definitely admire that. Yeah, I admire that. Thank because you. It was Yeah, because I can imagine that it wasn't an easy decision to make either because I think when you've put your, your heart and soul into a few of the things that you have, it's really difficult to make that change because you always have the uncertainty of are people going to be on par with it or are they not? And something that I've really, really thoroughly understood was that when I transitioned from the wedding hub to the pretty parcel, I noticed my followers kind of move over. And obviously back then, followers weren't even the core focus anyway. Um, You know, it was just about putting up a, a nice, pretty looking picture and, and you got sales. It was very easy. But I did notice a really big difference because I noticed people coming from the wedding hub to the pretty parcel because they're there for you and your journey. So they were there with you, with your changes. Um, so even if if you do lose a few few kind of people out of that because they don't understand, they're just not in alignment with what you're doing. And that's and that's fine. Yeah, exactly. I think especially when you've got your own business, I think you've got to remember um it's not about your following count. It's about your custom like how many customers you can get on board and can get invested in you and your brand because that's the confusion I think constantly it's just what happens unfortunately because when we were talking earlier about you know how exciting it is when an order comes through eventually as you grow everything just becomes a number so that customer you would have you know when you first started your business saw an order come through you'd open that and you'd see their name and what they've ordered and you'd you, you associate that with a human being whereas now when we're in our 
board meetings and things like that. We're literally like, right, we sold 400 of this, this many of that. And then it just becomes a number. Whereas that is actually a person who's invested in you, has decided to order with you and everything just gets kind of condensed down. And I think the same about social media pages as well and your followers and your likes. That's not actually the most important thing. The most important thing is people's experience and how they feel emotionally towards you and their customer experience. And, you know, if they were looked after afterwards, if it arrived in time, things like that. So it's, um, there's just so much more to it. And it's a shame when things get um, just whittled down to numbers, because I do definitely feel like that day in, day out, I have um, meetings all the time where it's literally just figures, numbers, how do we scale? What do we need to buy in? You know, it just becomes you end up like zooming out so much that you kind of miss the human interaction a little bit. Um, so it's something I'm definitely trying to like get back into wherever I can. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, naturally just as business grows and just generally within business anyway, you need something to measure and you can't measure human emotion because you're not, you're not naturally going to be talking to that client there face-to-face and metrics unfortunately are the things that you can measure to say whether okay the the efforts that I've applied here mean that they are working because I'm seeing an increase here so that's the only way for you to to kind of it's something that I was really uncomfortable about so when I started kind of um the pretty parcel and kind of slowly starting to build a brand and started to notice like an influx of followers and all those things you know you do get lost in a bit of that because you think oh okay I'm, I'm starting to see a bit of a growth here but then on the back end, like exactly what you said, it's kind of irrelevant if your sales are not matching that either. And that's not to say that as soon as you get an instant follower, that you're supposed to have an instant sale. It's not about that. It's about warming people up a little bit because they need to build your build trust with your brand, especially if they're new. It's a new concept. They've never seen that thing before. I think there is massive confusion. And um, I think, you know, about a couple of years ago, I found myself in a position very much comparing my brand, my following versus, I wouldn't even say other brands, just general Instagram pages. So it's not even like it was a like to like comparison. It was more so a, you know, oh gosh, should I be doing this? You know, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Oh, right. Okay. Is, is it supposed to be all about followers growth? And actually I had to really just take myself out of it because it was impacting me on a mental level. It was taking me away from what I love doing, which is essentially getting very creative. And the, the giving piece is massively important to me when it comes to Pretty Parcel. And it was taking me away from all of that. And I just had to take a step back. And now as the influencer world has kind of grown, there is an element of, yes, for influencers, following probably does matter because they've got a lot of stats that they have to provide brands in order for brands to work with them. But if you're a business, you don't necessarily need to have a massive large following. Yes, okay, right, you're following as it grows over time, you can see that your marketing efforts have worked. But the only real understanding of whether that's worked is when you see it become a sale. So I've had to really take my step take a step back a couple of years ago it was really it was really getting to me and it you know it, it comes at a cost of you not being the best version of yourself whether that's you in your daily life whether that's you working on your brand and ultimately I remember there being a time where I was like I don't want to do this anymore you know I, I don't want to do this and I had to think to myself this is not right I can't base a decision on a feeling it has to be very factual for me. So I took a step away from it and um, just basically looked at everything from from a, a different standpoint. And I've just changed my mentality and mindset from a good few years ago. And I've noticed a very big shift and a very big difference in how I run my business. Yeah, I think we just you just grow and learn um, what's important and what isn't, where to assign your energy. So I noticed this as well when um, I was speaking to a friend and I was just talking about the following and I was worried about losing lots when I changed my page over. It was a big leap and it was something I was really nervous about. Um, and, but she said, look, Nick, you hate clutter, right? And I absolutely do. I'm always decluttering my home. It's like it really messes with my head. So she was like, think of it like if you lose followers, it's a good thing. 
your audience is becoming more concise and concentrated to the people who are genuinely interested in your brand. So she helped me shift my mindset as in like, if I do lose followers, great. Those that are there really are there. And then those that join thereafter are joining for the right reasons. Because I'm switching everything, I kind of have to see people go and then gain the right people. So that's definitely something I have been working out recently and I got better understanding. But in terms of numbers, you're so right. I always, I often, I'm actually quite bad at this. I always go off a feeling. I'm like, oh, that sale didn't go very well. And then I sit in my, I start feeling sorry for myself. And then Jack, <laughs> who is my husband, yeah, Jack's my husband. He is, uh, does these chartered accounts and he helps me with my accounts. He's just amazing. He loves a spreadsheet and that's completely <laughs> my weakness. So it works really well. He'll be like, look, he would literally get out the sales, show them to me physically and be like, you're chatting rubbish. Look at the numbers. So it's really useful to know which numbers are important. And like you said, the sales are important. Your followers aren't a good measure of whether your um, business is a success or not. It's about whether people are buying with you. So yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah. And just thinking, you know, from, to put it into perspective. So I've got um, Mindful Movements and Mindful Movements was, it's, it's a business consultancy and and mentoring um, brand. And both of my businesses, Pretty Parcel and Mindful Movements, have been built on the foundations of giving because I'm just a massive giving person, but there has to be boundaries put into place. I just love to give, right? So Mindful Movements, if that business did not come into fruition anyway until just before COVID, and then during COVID, it started to scale up a little bit and I started to understand a little bit more again about the business itself and the direction that I wanted to go in. And then if you, if I put into perspective about the followers, if you were to look at the, the Mindful Movements page, it's next to nothing really when you look at businesses right now the following there is is very low right so it's about 600 odd followers very low following however that does not show the clients that I'm working with outside of that the kind of impact that I'm having on businesses outside of that the opportunities that are coming to me with people saying can we work with you do you have capacity is it something that you can offer do you have time to have a business consultancy session with me do you have time for this and it doesn't match up. So when I look at my clientele that I don't actually have time to be online. And that's why I'm starting to really build a team now because with the Pretty Parcel, um, I've always had somebody helping me. There's always been a team involved. And it's now at a stage where it's very much just about the marketing efforts, getting in front of customers, getting people to understand the concept a little bit more. And that's the kind of avenue that I'm going with there and building a new product range. Whereas with Mindful Movements, it's all about nurturing people to understand what the business is about because it's a whole new brand. Is that the difference between providing products and then providing a service? Yes, in the sense of like tangibly, yes, because obviously one's a product and it's a real life thing. Whereas a service is very much the product is what you're offering. So there has to be end deliverable for me. So one of the things that I've noticed within the business consultancy and mentoring kind of industry and sector is there's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of, you know, free advice that you can get online. And I notice a lot of brands sort of just regurgitating and recycling that. Whereas for me, what's massively important is being able to deliver some form of a product through my service. So whether that product means that I've developed a business strategy for them, so it's a core document that they're going to use for their team to help them develop what they do, or is the deliverable going to be a sales and marketing strategy document allowing their marketing team to go and use it for marketing campaigns? So there is a difference in the sense of how I perform that service and how I would do things with 
with products because you've got to think about design when it comes to products. You've got to develop prototypes. You've got to make sure the quality is great. So there's a bit more of a, a kind of product cycle there. Whereas with a service, it's actually just being very integrated with the business. But it's important for me that they receive something of value at the end of it. That is just not going to be a bunch of tips that they can apply to their business. Because that to me is just things that I want to offer for free anyway. But for me, it's all about integrating into their business and providing them with something at the end of it, which to me is a product. So there's, there are vast differences. But um, I think that the common thing amongst both of the businesses for me is to really provide value in whatever I do. I want to make sure that it's not done for the sake of it because it's a trend or it's not done just because I think I'm supposed to be doing it. It has to be aligned with what I offer, really. Yeah. So with regard to your mentoring business and sort of brand mindful movement, this is so interesting to me because I get asked a lot on DM and things like that. Can you, can you help me with this? Can you, what would you advise this? So I get asked these questions a lot and I have always toyed with the idea of mentoring because I do love to help people. I love inspiring people. It's literally the reason I've started this podcast. And I wanted to know how you're finding it and what got you into it and what kind of things would you typically say to someone who wants to start something for themselves or is facing challenges in their current career and not sure what to do. Yeah, sure. So I'll start off with how how Mindful Movements came about. So essentially, just before COVID, I think it was about a good six, seven months before, there was a few people that had contacted me, exactly what you said before, people DMing you um, and messaging and saying, I'd like a bit of advice on this. Um, but I had a lot of respectable customers through the Pretty Parcel that there was, there was this one individual that basically said, I'm not going to just take advice for free if you can spend some time you know, I'm willing to pay you for for a session. Would that be something that you would offer? And at that time, you know, I was getting a lot of messages from different individuals saying that they'd want advice and same like you, I was toying with the idea. Do I do it? Do I not? Um, and mentoring is a massive, massive like part of me. Um, and I've been like that before businesses. I've always been the go-to friend for advice and being somebody that's always just there. So I'm thinking about it. And then for this one individual, I was like, yeah, sure. Let's just, let's, you know, log on and see what I can do for you. So it was very much um, just seeing what I could do without it being a brand. I started off doing it through the Pretty Parcel and believe it or not, I'm laughing about this out loud because it doesn't even make sense. Believe it or not, I started calling it TPP coaching. And I was like, what does that even mean? You know, and it just felt like I had to quickly label it because I was doing it. So when I started to kind of showcase that I was doing some coaching sessions um, and I was showcasing it through Instagram, I had more followers um, kind of reach out to me and say, actually, I want to start something off. So that's how Mindful Movement started at the very beginning. And then obviously COVID happened. So I had about 15 clients just before COVID and it's 15 one-to-one sessions online just to help them out understanding what business entails first and foremost, because I think there is a lack of understanding out there. I think a lot of people tend to feel, and it's natural because I can see how they're influenced in that way, but a lot of people feel like you're supposed to just have a little idea take a picture, put it on Instagram. And it doesn't work like that. Instagram is not your business. It's a marketing channel. And I keep reinforcing that to anybody that I meet. Post kind of COVID, once we were during the pandemic, um, I started to showcase my coaching a little bit more because the gifts, the product side of stuff obviously was impacted. So whilst I was trying to rectify the product side of things, I started to grow mindful movements. So in total, I think over the two years that um, we had the pandemic, I did one-to-one sessions with over 96 women. I started to really understand then, hang on, I know what kind of sector I want to work with. I know that this is something that I want to do because I get a massive buzz out of helping people and helping people move and accomplish more and achieve good things. So I started to really just take a standpoint and say, okay, I'm again, why am I doing this under TPP coaching? And that's when I gave kind of birth to mindful movements and decided just to, to launch its own its own thing really. So what is next for Anita? Are you wanting to balance both businesses of yours simultaneously or are you swaying more towards one? 
So I don't know if you know this already, Nikki, but I actually have another job. <laughs> oh, wow. So I don't do pretty parcel and mindful movements um, full time. So I had a full time job um, and I have for many, many years. And at the minute I'm working for a, a big pharmaceutical company. So I've got very much time. So full time? So I was full time until January this year because I decided just to oh, go part time. Yeah, so I was running amazing. everything. Yeah, I was running everything, full time job, pretty parcel, mindful movements, and still trying to be human. So I made a decision. I said, you know what, I'm going to take a, a step back um, from my day job. Um, and I approached my manager, asked for part time, and they they gave it. And I was like, that's great. Now I have my Fridays off to to do what I want, whether that's working on my mindful movement clients, whether that's growing the pretty parcel, or just having a break um, and just going out for a spot of lunch coffee with myself and going for a spa break whatever that means for me that Friday is now my own and then it means I've got my weekends back as well because a lot of uh, mindful movement stuff was being done on the weekends so I've tried to kind of strike that work-life balance and I went part-time but then only a couple of weeks ago I got offered um, quite a senior position at work so I got a promotion which I accepted. Congratulations. Thank you thank you so now, what is next for Anita? I think that's a really good question. <laughs> I don't want to let go of the pretty parcel. I know that for sure. And that's why we've expanded the team a little bit more so that I can take a step back from doing the sort of day-to-day bits um, and essentially have a team helping out with the marketing side. So I'm outsourcing there and also building a team and building a huge project rate product range that I'm super excited about. And then for mindful movements, I'm not letting go of that either because I absolutely love helping businesses. And a lot of businesses tend to have, I think over the COVID period, I was helping sort of single individuals um, with one-to-one sessions, whereas now I very much transitioned into the consultancy, which is being integrated within businesses. So I do a few hours a week for each business. And it means that I'm working with health and wellbeing brands more. That's the kind of niche area that I want to go into. And it's helping businesses that I've got like a team of two to six because some of these businesses aren't sure about how to manage their team. So I I definitely do not want to let that go. So I'm building the team there as well. So I've just recently hired somebody to join the team. Again, building the team there. And then I guess with my my new role in my day job, we're going to see where that goes. And there will be a question of whether I continue to work for a pharmaceutical company or not, but that is very much TBC. And that's what I love about just the human journey in itself is that not everything has to be meticulously planned. There's planning to a certain extent, but your life can change so, so differently when opportunities come your way. And there is an element of me having fingers in a few pies um, and people that have known me for a while have always questioned, you know, how, how are you doing everything? How, how are you actually managing all of this? Because it's not like you're focusing on one business and are you able to give 100% to a business? And the reality is probably not. Probably not. You know, I probably at this stage can't say that I give the pretty parcel 100%. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to work. It just means that I can probably give it 50% and then somebody else needs to give it 50%. So that means hiring a team, right? When I uh, spoke to a mentor myself, this was quite a few years ago, where you're saying about giving 100% to your business and whether that's a bad thing or good thing. They literally said to me, you are a businesswoman, you are not your business. And that like completely shifted my perspective because I was thinking, oh, actually, if I did want to dabble in other things, that's okay. I don't have to be giving 100% to this one thing. If I wanted to own different businesses, if I want to start an Airbnb, if I want to do this... I can do that. And that's part of my growth as a businesswoman or, you know, someone who just is keen to go after what I want. So yeah, that's a really, really important message. (laughs) 
So for the next part of the podcast, I want to move on to our little game. So this one's going to be a word association. So literally just think of the first thing that comes to your head. (laughs) Are you ready? Okay, I'm excited. A little bit nervous, but okay, let's go. (laughs) Okay, first one, self-doubt. Exists, but working on it. Oh, okay, okay. Personalised gift. Oh, timeless and just tokens of love. Oh, that's nice. Mentoring. Needed if you want to continue to grow, but it's not a necessity. Life balance. Important. Yeah, 100%. Um, Productivity. Balance. Okay, one more. Uh, Fun. Oh my God, food, spa, holiday. (laughs) Where do I start? I don't think there's one word. (laughs) I don't think there's one word for that. (laughs) (laughs) And I normally close off my podcast with a quote and then a podcast or book recommendation. So do you have a quote you'd like to share? Yeah, so I don't think this is actually, I don't even know if this is a quote, if I'm honest, Nikki, but it's something that I live by. Your next breath isn't guaranteed. Those words in itself really drive me just to continue to empower myself to do whatever I want to do. So yeah, your next breath isn't guaranteed. Wow, that actually like my eyes opened up a little bit then. (laughs) (laughs) That isn't that's actually really um impactful. It's deep, but it's powerful, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay, nice. Um so mine is I thought I'd do one about mentoring, considering that is something you're doing and something I'm very interested in for myself in the future. A mentor is someone who sees more talent and ability within you than you see in yourself and brings that out of you. And that's by Bob Proctor. Um, So I thought that was something that, yeah, you'd be able to resonate with seeing as you're speaking with so many of your clients and probably doing exactly that yourself. So do you have a podcast or book recommendation as well? Yeah. So a podcast I absolutely love listening to um, is Robin Sharma. So um, he's a Canadian writer and I've, I listen to his because they're very short. They're like six, seven minutes long. They're daily masteries um, that he offers. So yeah, Robin, Robin Sharma is the, the chap that I listen to. Oh, wow. Amazing. I'm going to take note of that. I love the idea <laughs> of it being quite short. So you can just get the nuggets of knowledge and then get on with your day. That sounds amazing. Yeah, definitely. Well, Anita, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like you've mentored the audience <laughs> here today. And yeah, no, honestly, I wish you all the best with everything you're doing. It's amazing to see you try so many different things and um, with the core value of helping people. So well done to you. And thanks again for your time. Thank you for having me on. What an amazing conversation. I absolutely loved that. If you could please take a moment to follow our guest and you can follow me and my brand at Nikita by Nikki on Instagram. And don't forget, you can use code GIRLBOSS for 20% off all jewellery and homeware at NikitaBynikki.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful for a podcast review. And before we sign off today, I'd like to invite you to take one deep breath in with me so we can reset and start or end our day on a really positive note. So if you close your eyes, take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. Open your eyes shoulders back remember who you are and just please have the audacity to be whoever you want to be today we upload new episodes every thursday morning so i hope you'll tune in again next week and in the meantime have the best day have the best week and i'll see you soon